everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 184. Hooray! Hooray. I didn't take a drink. I didn't do it this what? time. I'm off, I'm off the drink, finally. <laughs> well, it only took 184 <laughs> goes. 184 <laughs> goes, and I finally realised that hey, don't drink as you are. Delicious zero calorie monster. <laughs> Well, I, as you can tell I, by the lack of voices, uh, it's just Kieran and myself this week. Uh, Paul is away doing real-world things, yeah. um, so it's uh, just myself and Kieran. And uh, if you're extra special good, we might have uh, one of the cats jump onto the microphone and say hello <laughs> again. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> People are... Right, at one point, there's going to be like a pool. People are actually going to start taking bets and what point in the podcast, you know, one hour and 20 minutes, that's when one of the cats gets fed up and jumps on. Yeah, but then we'll find out that you're organising the whole thing and rigging it. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, it's just the two of us today, so let's just do what we always do. Um, we haven't got too much to talk about. Um, it's been rather slow. Uh, we're kind of in that lull at the moment, aren't we? We're waiting for most of the good games to come out. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out next month. And yeah. a couple of things this month, but yeah, it's definitely a bit quieter for me. Yeah. Um, one of the things that did come out, though, was uh, a game you were looking forward to, and that was Splatoon 2. Yes. I've been playing a lot of Splatoon 2. Um, it's, in a lot of ways, it's a, the same game as Splatoon 1. Fair <laughs> they, enough. They didn't make any kind of major changes to the core mechanics or anything like that. Uh -huh. But, you know, there's a ton of new maps in it, there's a lot of new weapons in it, uh, there's a bunch of cool multiplayer modes and stuff. Uh, they added a, a horde mode called Salmon Run. Which has oh, right. become one of my favourite things in the entire game. Because, you know, I, I've been pretty vocal about liking Horde modes on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just a really good one because it's, it's weird because it's really short. There's not a lot of just like holding up, defending for ages kind of thing. It's more active than that. So it's really difficult and force you to try and survive and you're trying to defend a spot for a certain amount of time, but you're also trying to gather these eggs from different uh, fish that come up. Right, okay. And the fish are all, you know, they've all got different abilities, they're all the different boss monsters, kind of like, you know, left for dead or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so you're fighting against waves of waves of these enemies, collecting the eggs from them, and you have to collect a certain amount of kind of special eggs from boss monsters to uh, finish the round. So within a time limit. So right. it's this weird combination of you're just trying to survive because the waves are really, really difficult, but also you need to kill things. Like if you just survive, then you're, you've lost. So there, it makes it a bit more active than a lot of horde modes are. Like there's a lot less just kind of hunkering down, hiding behind walls and stuff like that and, you know, defending. And it's a lot more, you know, running into waves of enemies to try and kill the biggest <laughs> guy there. And, right, and it's really good. Um, I've been playing quite a lot of that, and it also kind of is one of the perfect modes to display the worst parts of Splatoon, which is 
uh, for starters, the Switch doesn't have a good online system, like, at all. Right. Uh, Splatoon 2 launched alongside their, or the beta version of their online app, which is how they're handling all the matchmaking stuff. It's how they're handling playing with friends. It's how they're handling voice chat, which is terrible. Yeah. It's just not a good app at all. It's, um, like, even, like, the concept itself is terrible to start with. Like, not being able to hear game audio and chat audio out of the same headset is just, it's something... Like my the first online game that I played a lot of with voice chat was SOCOM for the PSP. The PSP <laughs> had this shit sorted out. <laughs> like when your handheld isn't doing something as well as the PSP did, you fucked up. The first game that I played with okay, voice chat was on the PS2. Yeah, and it it had that big. It was the uh, the big adapter thing that you had to plug in, the network adapter yeah. that you had to plug into the back of it, and then you plug the headset into the back of that fucking thing. The and it was... Had voice <laughs> yeah. Built into the system. You didn't need a fucking mobile app. And it's... <laughs> like... At its worst, like, that... like The fact that it is a bad idea in general. Like, as a companion app, like, as a thing, like, Oh, I rather than just through the game, I've already got my phone open because I was using it in a loading screen. I might as well just invite people to lobby and do stuff here. That would be fine. That's like an okay idea. But the the actual implementation of it is actually also terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> not only is the idea terrible because you can't use voice chat properly because you're just talking to people in one headset and then either you've got your sound blaring out of your TV, which one means that whoever you're talking to is going to be able to hear it through your microphone. Yes. Or, you know, two, you've bought the stupid fucking Y-splitter cable so that you can put audio sources from multiple places into your headphones, which is Mm -hmm. stupid. But it's also the fact that the matchmaking doesn't work very well. Like we had multiple times where people, where we, I was playing it with one of my friends, and we had multiple times where we disconnected from matches that we tried to join each other. When you disconnect from a room, because you make like little lobbies, which is actually kind of a cool so- concept, you can uh, invite people to lobbies, and something that Nintendo's done that's pretty smart, which kind of shows why shows some of the logic behind why the Switch uses friend codes still mm-hmm. is that you can invite people from different social networks as well. It doesn't need to be from your Switch friends list. If you have a Facebook friend that's playing Splatoon, they'll show up on your list and you can hit them and they'll join your game. And that's a smart idea. Like You don't need a Nintendo Switch friends list, so friend codes are kind of irrelevant because you already have all your friends on Facebook and Twitter and shit anyway. Yeah. So... That's a pretty decent idea. But then the fact that when you get into a game like that, if if the person hosting the room disconnects, uh, one, they can't be invited back into the room because the room still thinks they're in it. Right. But two, if that person, the person that is in the room already, leaves and makes a new room, they probably won't be able to invite that other person because it thinks they're in a room already. Ah, uh, so yeah. It's like this weird kind of 
broken system that's just not very good. Uh, and then there's the fact that the voice chat audio, the, the quality that goes through, I was just, I plugged the headset in that I use for my PS4 and it sounded terrible. <laughs> it's like, we literally switched to using a PS4 party in the background while playing the Switch because that was the best way to get decent audio quality to oh, the wow. chat. Um, but if you go through your phone anyway, you could also just call people. At one point, we had a Google Hangouts call going because, again, still better voice, better audio quality. And that is runs in the that's background. crazy. It is it's not a good idea, and it's poorly implemented, and it's kind of a shame. But it feels like something they should have just had built in at system level. Yes, just, yeah. Especially since they're going to try and charge for this stuff later this year. Oh, but. This is something we've always said about Nintendo is that own, one of the few things that they have got horribly wrong and they have never ever fixed it has been the online element. Yeah. And it's it started with those blinking French, uh, the French codes. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of a shame because they are also making some of the best online games. Yeah, yeah. Like Splatoon 2 is genuinely the best third-person shooter I've played in a long time. Right. Like, it is really, really good. Like, the the core concept that they kind of nailed down in the first game, like, they've improved on so much. They're just making a squad-based third-person shooter where the goal is not just to murder everyone in the other team, but to control the territory and, you know, claim it with ink is really cool. And it's a really nice twist on that that still feels really good and unique and really fun. Uh-huh. And... Playing against randoms means that it's pretty decent because you don't have to bother using their fucking terrible app. Uh, there's yep. other ways to join friends, but the issue mainly is that even the implementation of the app into, uh, for example, finding games is not that well done. It's fine in things like the salmon run mode and the horde mode because you invite friends into a lobby and it's a four-player, you know, horde mode like most kind of horde modes are so you need four players and if you've only got two or three you just hit a button and then it brings random people in fills up mm -hmm. the extra slots and then starts a game if you're trying to play just a regular battle match just a, a turf war as they call it like the the kind of your the territory control mode yeah you can start a lobby invite friends to it and then play it with those friends and that's the only choice you have. You can't, like, fill it up with other random people. Uh -huh. Which seems just insane, because they got it right in the other part of the game. And then... <laughs> and there's a bunch of other little things where, like, you get notifications in the game telling you you've been invited to, you know, uh, a game, a match. And you can join it from in the game. You don't have to use the app to join it. Right. So you can go into you know, the lobby and choose online lounge and that lets you join the game. I think you might have to open that after that, but then it lets you join the lobby with friends and you can, you know, start a game. Mm -hmm. But there's the, the online lounge buttons are separated depending on game mode. So you get an invitation saying, oh, you've been invited to a game. doesn't tell you what kind it is. And then you could go up into the regular <laughs> online mode go to online lounge and then the, the room will show up but it'll say oh no that's not for this mode go to the other place uh -huh. that's, that's, you need to go to the other menu to be able to access this online lounge it's like what 
Like, it's just a fucking invitation. Just fucking take me to the right place, goddammit. It's really <laughs> stupid. And it's one of those things that's really annoying because it's, you know, an unfortunate mark on what is otherwise one of the best games of the year. Yeah, that is really, really bizarre. It's like if, like, imagine if uh, GoldenEye came out in Nintendo 64 and had split-screen multiplayer, but everyone had to, like, pass the controller or something. Uh-huh. You know, it just didn't work. Just something really fucking stupid, like, it was blatantly wrong, and other games had done it better already, and you knew how to do it, but they were like, nah, nah, we're doing this. You know, it's, like, one of the best games, and they do this wrong, and it's such a shame. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Is it something they? Well, I know it's something they can fix, but is it something they're they are going to fix? Are they, are they looking to make it better? Have they? They haven't said, you, but you would hope so. I mean, yeah, because the, if they're not if they're not careful, they'll end up killing their own console. I don't think it would take down the whole console. Like the Switch is still doing super well, but yeah, I, it's definitely going to kill the online. Yeah, and. I think the the response to it has been universally negative, like or to the to specifically the online, like to the game itself, it's been universally positive yeah. because it is still a fantastic game. Yes, and it's just a shame. Like I hope they take it into consideration. Like the the reviews on the app store for their app are terrible. There was a brief period of time before it came out where there was a lot of reviews from you know Nintendo fans being like, "Oh, I'm glad Nintendo are making an app that's, you know, for online. It's great." And it's like, okay, you know, you know, fucking do what you want, give it five stars, fine. Yeah. The moment it came out, it was just one star reviews everywhere. Like people are just like, "Oh no, this is terrible." Like it turns out this doesn't <laughs> work. Yeah. So it's a real shame. Um, but the core game itself is still fantastic. And they fleshed out all the different stuff. Like, there's so many more clothes to unlock for your character, dress your character up, and they all have different abilities that you can unlock. You can right. re-roll abilities in your clothes so that you can, if you get one that has, you know, abilities you don't really care about. Like, I keep getting a... There's an ability that you can hit a button to open up a menu in the match, and you can then use that to do a super jump, which basically right. just kind of teleports you to you know, another player on the match so you can get to your team quicker. Mm-hmm. And I keep getting upgrades that are making that faster. But I would never use that. <laughs> I never actually do the super jump. I usually just swim to places and go to kind of, you know, places where my team aren't. Because if my team are somewhere, odds are they're already covering a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to go somewhere else and start covering stuff in ink. Yeah. So... I don't use it that much, but I can go and re-roll that stat so I don't have it on clothes anymore and get something else. Right. A nice change from the first one because the first one was just, hey, you got these clothes, you made your character look real cool. But all the abilities suck. But they look cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that's your choice. Do you want really... It's like when you play like Oblivion in Skyrim and you have a character that looks really fucking cool but his armor's like level two. And you're like, but I look so cool. It's like that. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, there's there's ways around that now, which is quite cool. Cool. Um, and then the single player mode is uh, expanded quite a bit. Like it's still the same uh, structure as the first game, where it's 
got this kind of big hub that you go into different individual areas for and they've got these kind of platforming levels that are a good mix of like platforming and shooting right so it's not just straight up third person shooting you know going through a bunch of enemies there's a lot of using all the different maneuverability that you know splatoon characters have yes and getting around pretty cool and doing neat things which i'm really enjoying the single player and it's one of those things that because the single player is single player was good in the first game but i feel like they've improved it quite a lot in this one uh i think that because they've done that it helps the it helps splatoon 2 as a switch game right because i think online only games on switch are also a suffer from the fact that the switch is not always online because it's also a portable system. Mm-hmm. So you're not always going to be connecting out now. Yeah. So the fact that it has a really good single player has definitely been helping with that. So I've been playing the single player on the tram pretty much and then playing multiplayer when I get in from work. Um, I've also played a couple of matches of local multiplayer because it has just you know local wireless multiplayer, which is good for the salmon run mode. Right. I've been playing a couple of rounds of that at work every now and again. Which is also pretty awesome because you don't need internet for that. So uh-huh. it's just they did a good job making it fit onto this the system. Like it has each of the kind of three things you would be doing with the switch covered. You know, right? When you're at home, connected to internet, doing stuff. There's the extensive online multiplayer. When they're when you're you know out and about and it's not connected to anything, you. You can play single player, and then when you're with other people, there's local multiplayer, which is really good. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Did I? Actually, I didn't say to you. Um. I met up with a friend of the show, Tom from Calm Down Tom, at the weekend there on Friday, and I actually got to play some Mario Kart. Oh, nice. On the Switch, yeah. So uh, we were in a restaurant, and he. You know, we're talking about the Switch, and I hadn't bought one yet, and uh, asked him how he would... (laughs) No, no, not yet, but, uh, you know, um, I'd said, you know, obviously I was going to pick one up. I'm just, uh, you know, got some real-world things to take care of and holidays and things like that, and uh, asked him about Splatoon 2, so he let me see a little bit of it, and it did. It it looked very good, but he also showed me, because he had uh, Mario Kart, um, and he's bought, like you, he's bought a lot of the games and installed them on the hard drive and the uh, memory card as well. Yeah. So he's bought digital versions. And uh, so, and amazingly enough, Anne actually played Mario Kart with me as well. <laughs> um, and I think it was the fact that we were sitting in a restaurant and playing a you know, a game that she'd seen on the TV and she was used to seeing me playing on the TV and she was playing this game in a restaurant um yeah and it worked really well as as well um yeah it's a really uh, good version of that game yes yeah um it i think we played i think i tried to pick a track that i had uh one of the new tracks that mm-hmm. are exclusive to the switch and i think i did because i didn't recognize it too much it was a pretty simple track but yeah it was uh it was really good it was a lot of fun that's cool i, I like Mario Kart 8 is, it's a solid Switch game well I you know if you go back to um, I think I was the biggest uh, you know 
purporter of it and shouting about it at our game of the year when I got my Switch. And, yeah. Uh, oh, you're weak. Yeah. <laughs> I, not my Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when, you get your, when you got your Switch super early. Yes, yeah, re- <laughs> really early. Right? Um, yeah, when I got my Wii U, um, I loved Mario Kart. I bought, uh, well, obviously still own all the, the DLC for it as well. Mm-hmm. Which I wonder, uh, no, I was going to say, I wonder if there's anything, if you own the, the DLC on the Wii U, if there's any way of transferring it over to the Switch. No, it's all just in the Switch version. Right, oh, right, okay, yeah, so you're not... The Switch version has all the, all the, um, oh, so it's the, game, like it's... the F-Zero tracks and the, the, like the Zelda track and stuff like that, that was all part of the DLC. Yes, and the um, the Excite Bike track. Yes. I really like that. Yeah. Track. I, it is really good. One of my favorite tracks in that game. Uh, yeah, and also they added a bunch of new stuff to it as well. There's a couple of other. I think there's two extra uh, championships. So that's like a handful of new courses. And, All right. Uh, like the Splatoon uh, squidlings are added. Yes. To it. Yeah, I seen that. I think I I picked them as one of my characters uh, when. Yeah. We had a shot, yeah. Their little uh, quad bike thing is still probably my favourite vehicle in that whole game. It's just right. such a fun little thing. Um, yeah, it's the Switch is just really good, as it turns out. Yes! Um, yeah. Like, I also, I've not actually played much of it yet, but I picked up Overcooked as well, which people have been telling me has been is a really good game for quite a while. And I was kind of uh-huh. waiting for the Switch version to come out, because it is a local multiplayer game. Yeah, and being able to play local multiplayer games pretty much anywhere is kind of the main advantage of the Switch. Yeah, the the only thing with it because it isn't overcooked. It's um, it's more than two player. Yeah, it can go up to four, but there is a two player mode. <clears throat> Sorry, I was just about to sneeze there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so if you're playing games like that. On this, I take it you'd need to buy more of those little controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or have multiple people. That yes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Which is but, you know, also fine. Like we've done four player games of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Right. Two consoles and yeah, Mario Kart goes up to eight players, I think, because you can play four player sp- split screen on two different. Oh, okay. Which is pretty wow. good, but also th- that screen. The screen is really big for a handheld, but then yes. when you try to have multiple people looking at it, it's actually a bit too small for that. Yeah, we kind of... Um, it was okay with two players, but yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't like to, you know, try and split it any more than that. Yeah. We played Bomberman on it, four-player, and oh. it's hard to just physically get four people in viewing radius of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be climbing all over the top of each other. Yeah, like four adult humans takes up a decent amount of space. Yeah. So, so yeah. I th- I think in fairness to it, though, it was probably when, you know, they included that mode, they were ex- expecting you to be playing on a big TV at that point. Yeah, and they probably expect tabletop mode to be used more by kids, probably. Not, yes. Not 20-somethings. <laughs> But yeah, um, oh no, I'm I'm glad the the console's doing well. Um, you know, the the rate of games could be a little bit quicker, but 
yeah. I think that's always the case anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, on one hand, I, I agree, just because, you know, more games are always good, and there is definitely, you know, a waiting period between these games. But on the other hand, like, it came out in, what, March? Yes. And we've had a new Zelda, a new Mario Kart, a new Splatoon, a new IP with ARMS, and, like, a bunch of other kind of smaller stuff as well. Like, it's, and, you know, two new Mario games, Mario Rapids yeah. and Mario Odyssey coming in the next couple of months. Like, Yeah, I think if you, you know, if you compare it to, say, the Wii U, um, I think it is faring a lot better because the Wii U was just really, it was re-releases and shovelware, wasn't it? If you, yeah. if we're being brutally honest. Yeah. Yeah, and the Wii had a lot more, but the Wii was more, again, shovelware. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where there's probably less games coming out for it, but there's usually like one big game a month, uh-huh. and that big game is usually really, really big. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know, like, Splatoon 2 is, so far, you know, I didn't need any more justification of my Switch because, you know, Zelda was basically it on launch day. But yeah, yeah. Splatoon 2 is definitely kind of fitting that for me. You know, oh, even, yeah. even with the issues with the, the online app, like, playing with randoms is kind of most of what I do in Splatoon anyway. Uh-huh. So thankfully, I just don't have to interact with the app that much. <laughs> which is definitely the best way to interact with the app is not at all. <laughs> yeah, just to avoid it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just a really really good game. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you know I'm still I'm still happy that in in waiting. Um, uh, when I was talking to Tom, at you know Tom was saying there was no question for him that he needed the switch on launch because it was zelda and you know i've said it loads of times i don't have any ill feeling towards zelda you know i'm not like paul i don't hate (laughs) nintendo um but when it comes to rpgs and at the time when zelda was popular and it came out with the first two games anyway the competitor that was the game that i preferred and that was um that was square's final fantasy series that's fair. And I've all yeah, I've always just preferred that style. You know, anything that the Square have ended up doing, you know, um, and your your traditional Japanese RPG, mm-hmm. uh, as, as opposed to um, what Nintendo were doing with Zelda. So, yeah, I'm I'm happy enough to wait. And uh, but yeah, yeah. So I think like good. Paul, you'll probably find out that Breath of the Wild would actually be something you'd really enjoy. Like I think it fits into the kind of less into the RPG stuff and more into the open world action game stuff that you enjoy. Yes, yeah. Um, more in the lines Tom, of something like a Horizon than a Final Fantasy. Yeah, you know, Tom was trying to sell me on it as well and saying, you know, it's you know, it's close to Bioware's idea of a an RPG. It's you know, it's hitting that action RPG and the exploration and things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, yeah, I will. I will give it a bash when I get a switch. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for now, yes, you've been playing a brand new game that you barely played any of. Yes, yeah. Let me tell you about Forza Horizon. Ah, oh, goddamn! Again, the first one. <laughs> you went back to the first one. You're like, I played too much of three. 
backwards compatible? It's backwards compatible. They we got we got it free. Uh, there was a reason we got it free, and I'm not too sure if it was part of the games with live uh, or it was, you know, it was either that or the, discontinued or something. They're like, eh, just take it. <laughs> no, I. It, it was either one of the games with live, or I got it because, you know, they can go, um, they can go through your profile and see what games oh, you yeah, played, yeah, yeah. and and I've played every single one of the the Forza games on my Xbox Live profile. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was either I got it because of that, or it was the the games with live. And. Uh, Yes, so I am. I finished the Hot Wheel, the Hot Wheels expansion, uh, which was really cool. Hello. Hello. Oh, uh, you there? <laughs> I'm here. You here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You were. You just gone very, very quiet. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to. Uh, I yeah. I thought you. I thought you'd done one of those things that we've always said we're going to do in the podcast, where everyone's going to disappear. Sweet. It's just going to be me talking. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> no, but I was uh, distracted looking up news for the next part. Of that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I finished the Hot Wheels expansion. How did you find it? Yeah, I, it is one of the best pieces of DLC that I've seen in a racing game in a long time. I really enjoyed it. It felt fresh because it was different from the blizzard mountain stuff um and you know just different from the the outback the australian outback that yeah, yeah. the majority of uh, forza horizon three years um the again it is the the final race and they're they're all pretty much the same and i think they've all been the same since I'd never got to the final race in Forza Horizon, but from Forza Horizon 2, you know, where the final race is like a tour and you, you, you drive along basically the, the outline of the world. Uh-huh. You know, um, I think Test Drive was probably one of the first ones that did that back on... Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's probably Test Drive developers that are working on Forza at this point. Isn't yeah, games just a super group of all the best racing developers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they've ever found. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a you know you, you basically drive around this Hot Wheels world, and they put in as many loop to loops as they can, and ramps, and you're jumping through the f- flaming hoops, and you're um, cool. you know you're missing the big dinosaur that they've got in there, the big T Rex, and he. Uh, it's a big mechanical dinosaur and he comes down and it looks like he's going to eat your car uh, yeah really really good uh, the final race was good fun and that is me now I'm back on the the main world <laughs> so I've decided I need to do the final showcase event there and you'll know that uh, in the, the main game it's fans that you need to get through to the different showcases yeah so I'm 500,000 fans away from the final showcase. All right. That's not that um, that. No, it's not, yeah. So it's probably about another three or four events. Um, and I've got so many events that I haven't been to and so many different races. I've just unlocked new content again. Uh, I keep saying this every time I talk about it on the podcast, but there's so much to do in this game. Yeah. 
um, yeah, just a. I've got seven point eight million credits as well, <laughs> um, and I'm now at the point where I can buy, you know, any car. Oh, yeah, almost any car. I think I, I don't think I've seen one that I can't afford yet, and it's just, just a fantastic game. I you can go online, download the paint job that gives it some kind of anime girl lying on it because every <laughs> car has one of those. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was driving around um, for a while in a jeep that had duck on the side of it, right? And then someone had wrote "quack" in the jeep font. <laughs> and I, I quite like that, and I was like, "I'm going to use this now. This is my car." <laughs> um, the I th- I think the the designs in this one are they're not as bad as they were in original Forza and for uh, you know then Horizon that stuff, Two. That stuff definitely got scaled down quite a lot because remember it was like forza yes was it three years at four that had like the full marketplace like you were literally people had like storefronts for their designs i i think three I, I, they both had them but i think it went really wild in four yeah. and i think it was four that had they had like a massive thing that was just a whole like section of the game basically that you could go through it and see different people's storefronts for each of their designs, and there is you know hundreds of designs for each car and that kind of thing. And now they've kind <laughs> of just you know you never really see more than like you know six or seven different designs that get pulled down that are kind of like the best ones, unless you really want to see more. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. It's a lot pared down now. Um, a lot of the stuff that you see when you buy a car is, I forget the, the term, but it's basically it's their developers that have created the skins. Yeah. But a lot of the times I just use the manufacturer colours as well. Yeah, I do as well. Um, yeah. It depends on whether I actually like the car or not. Right. <laughs> so if I like the car, I'll just go with manufacturer colours and be like, yeah, this looks nice. If it's a car that I don't really care about that much, like, you know, a big old jeep that i don't really care about too much uh-huh. then i'll get a duck on the front of it because why not <laughs> if it's something i'm not going to use that much then you know right you'll go with the crazy color scheme exactly yeah because i'm going to use it for like a couple of races because you know this race said that i needed something in the jeep's class so yeah Excellent. Um, one of the other things that I did in the weekend as well was the. So, have you ever taken part in any of the Forzathons? I've not. Um, I've been online during some of them, but I've never actually taken part. Right. So, the Forzathons now, uh, the way that they've done them, so it, almost every weekend there will be a Forzathon on. And some sometimes they're themed sometimes they're not so the theme of the forzathon this weekend was uh, driving at night uh, moonlight drifting or something it was called and what they do is it's a bunch of challenges uh, if you if you complete three danger signs you got you know x amount of xp and some credits mm-hmm. uh, there was if you completed a race with a certain car, so bought a certain car and completed a race in it, um, you got, I think it was three bonus spins and kind of things like this. And sometimes they're quite easy to do and some sometimes they're not really difficult. It may just be a case of, you know, they want you to complete three championships. So it's more of a time sink than anything yeah. else. 
Um, and I completed all six or seven challenges, I think it was. Nice. And I ended up gaining, I think I went up, I leveled up four or five times. <laughs> so it's just kind of an easy way to get like a ton of experience and kind of progress very Yes, quickly. yeah. I, I should probably take it, part in some of those because yeah, that's definitely it, it, like, I don't have the time to put <laughs> lots of time into Force Horizon. I don't play enough racing games really to put in a lot of time into Force Horizon, so yeah, might be a way for me to... I paid money for that booster because I'm a terrible human being. And was like, right. get the, the what was it the VIP thing? VIP, yes. For money, because I'm a terrible human being. Yeah, uh, basically, what it does is every time you get a spin, it doubles the the money that you win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got that because I bought the I can't remember what they call it. It's the super duper stupid persons pack because you get. Pack. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was the super duper stupid person's pack because you get the game. I think it is a week early. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that the thing that Microsoft yeah. does with all their games now, where it's like, hey, if you pre-order yes. the collectors, digital deluxe collectors, whatever, then yes. you get it early. Yeah, because why not? If you want to play um, Gears of War one remastered a week before anyone else, <laughs> yeah, you could pay as an extra tenner. Yeah. Uh, but it was it wasn't too bad because I think I got I got that VIP thing and I got the car pass, so I got all the cars. Um, the only thing that I didn't get was obviously the the season pass. Oh yeah, so you had to you know that yeah I had to pay for that as well. But I think this is the first time that I've never regretted buying you know paying so much money. Yeah, because I. I I do feel that I've got my money's worth from it. Uh, it's a fantastic racing game. And it's just got that right level of arcadiness and it's got just a a, a hint, just a twinge of the, the realism. Yeah, it's a good um, it's a good mix. It always has been in that series. Yes, and yeah. That and Drive Club are for me kind of just that good blend of, you know, they're really arcadey, but they have just enough kind of simulation stuff that you have to be good at them yes yeah um i i think also the 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 lure of forza anyway is that well horizon is i can be driving you know to my next race and then go you know what fuck this and just plow through fields drive up and down mountains and uh you know you gain you gain experience and you can level up doing that shit as well yeah um and then they build challenges around it. You can go and find these uh, these challenges and uh, the bucket lists. Um, yeah, just a fantastic game. I'm going to stop talking about it now because I can feel <laughs> myself. I'm getting into ranty mode about it, and we'll spend another twenty odd minutes talking about it. But yeah, like, like every time you talk about this, uh, in particular the Micro Machines DLC for this, I I'm going through the same. Like mindset I always go through, which is one, I should probably buy that DLC even though I've not played a massive amount of Force Horizon, I should probably just get that DLC because <laughs> it seems like something I'd really like. Yeah. But also, I should probably just play some more Trackmania. <laughs> well, that was that's the thing as well. I, I I've been playing the the Hot Wheels stuff and then it's like I should go back and play Trackmania because I love Trackmania as well. And then, I don't know. I just end up playing more, <laughs> more, more Forza. So we should actually, 
just do it. Yeah, let's just sit and play Trackmania till like four in the morning again. Because that'll yeah. as well. Every cool. day. <laughs> yeah, but uh, moving on, uh, you have played a game with a very strange name. Yes, I've been playing... Oh, I need to open up the document again for this because I can't remember off the top of my head. I had to Google it before. <laughs> right, I'll do it for you then. Okay. <laughs> you have, you've been playing a game called The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker. Yes. So, The Infectious Madness of Dr. Decker is an FMV adventure game. Oh, okay. Uh, you, have, you have my attention. It's set in a therapist's office where okay. you're interviewing the patients of a therapist called Dr. Decker, who has been murdered. Right. By one of his patients. Okay. And all of his patients, they are, it's the same patients all the time, but apparently, supposedly, depending on how you play it, they, who the killer is changes, I think. Um, I've not actually played through the whole thing yet, so I'm not actually sure about that. But basically, um, the structure of it is there's a, a list of patients at the side, and you kind of call them in one by one, and it's all FMV, you know, them on a couch sitting, and it'll show little kind of fade-outs of them, you know, posing on the couch in different ways. And you ask them questions by typing it into a little text box. Okay, so a little bit, a little bit like the search function in Her Story. Yeah, it's like a really campy horror story. Right. Because it's a lot of like kind of B actors really hamming it up, um, but in a really fun way. And they do, it doesn't take itself very seriously. Like one of the the so I've only really went through the questions of like two of the people, the patients so far. So I don't really know what the thing is with the other ones. But the idea is that they're all they're all mad and they're all mad in very kind of silly ways. So the first one, the woman that they kind of point you towards to start with is a kind of cute redhead who keeps getting found naked on the beach. <laughs> right. And she just wakes up naked on the beach, doesn't remember how she got there, doesn't remember anything about it. She just blacked out, woke up there. And I've not reached the end of her thing because it's kind of split into multiple days and you can ask them... A certain amount of questions, or you can ask them one, as many questions as you want, and uh-huh. it'll eventually kind of hint at you've kind of found the main information from them. You can keep asking them questions, there's still more questions they will answer, but you've found the main information from them, so you can safely move on and continue the story without missing anything if you don't ask right. anything else. Mm-hmm. So I've got to that point in the first day with her. But the implication kind of seems to be that she thinks she's a mermaid. That seems to be where that's going. <laughs> right. Um, there's another guy who his whole thing is that he believes that he's repeating the same day over and over. So he thinks he is Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Right. To the point where he <laughs> even, like, you can ask, the, one of the questions you can ask him, you can just ask him about Groundhog Day. You can type whatever you want in and it has... What seems to be just kind of a quite basic kind of word recognition thing. So if you write Groundhog Day, it'll know that you're asking about Groundhog Day and so do it. Right, okay. 
And if you ask about Dr. Decker and murder, it'll kind of pick up both those together and know that you're asking about his murder, that kind of thing. Right. But it's still a bit more fun to type out the whole question, not just type out Dr. Decker murder. You know, that uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> just to make it seem like you're actually, you know, make it feel like you're actually asking them questions. Um, and so it's quite cool. Like, I, I'm really enjoying that uh, so far, but I've not played a massive amount of it. All the actors are definitely the cameo up. It's like so much overacting, so much, you know, scenery chewing and that kind of stuff. But it's right. really fun. And I like the, the way it's going with the kind of story stuff where, like, the implication is just that Dr. Decker has been murdered. They think that one of his patients did it. And you're just here to interview them and find out. I think you're supposed to partially also basically just be replacing him. Like, I think you're kind of. I don't know, it doesn't really explain too well at the start. But I think the implication is you're supposed to be, you know, trying to find out what is wrong with these people as well as also finding out if they murdered Dr. Decker. Right. And it's weird and it's really good. Um, it does suffer from the same issue as most kind of text-based adventure games because at its core you're typing in questions. So it's yes. text-based. And that is you can ask questions and they just won't have pre-programmed answers for it because why would they you can't film infinite amounts of video yes yeah so yeah. there'll be a lot of times where you'll type something in that you think sounds fine and seems like it came from the previous question but you'll just cut to a video thing of you know the redhead going hmm i don't know anything about that and you're like, okay well <laughs> right yeah i that reminds me of i had a game on the playstation one it was the x files oh man yeah it was the the x files game and it was it was all fmv stuff and they'd filmed they had uh you know jillian anderson and david Duchovny and uh mitch Pelegi and all all the big actors and then they had you know a separate cast as well and it was it was fmv stuff but it was point and click you know so you yeah. you were in somewhere and you could do the old point and click thing you know if you took something out of your pocket and when you were in the interrogation mode you would ask them about this thing and like you say you would choose something that you would think would you know you want to know about this because you think this is the main clue and it's just this really they've not even done it well when they've said i don't know anything about that yeah and Um, you would just this one they kind of do it okay because they there's a handful of different versions of it. Right. And I don't know if they just randomise them, but it seems kind of like they might be for different kind of contexts, contexts uh, to some degree. All right. Um, at least that's what it feels like. I might have just got kind of good luck with the kind of randomness of it. Uh-huh. Um, but it definitely seems like they won't just instantly, oh, I don't know anything about that. They'll say, they might say that, but they'll usually say something that is a bit more contextually makes sense uh-huh um like you know if you ask them something about dr decker that they don't have an answer for they might say oh i don't think you know i didn't know dr decker that well or something like that right okay um yeah i'm looking at steam pages now and it says like it has multiple stories which is i guess just each of the suspects has their own stuff um and multiple endings so there's definitely, I don't know if it changes depending on stuff, but there's definitely a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in it. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm definitely going to play more of it. 
because cool. I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, it does. It does sound really good. It feels like a half step between her story and. Uh, did you ever play Contradiction? No, no, it wasn't one that I did. Uh, Contradiction Spot Liar was a FMV adventure game that came out. Oh god, it came out two, three years ago. Okay. Um, but it was. It kind of got more popularized when uh, Giant Bomb did a playthrough of it, and it kind of got like massive amount of following stuff like that. But it's, a, it's again, it's a good kind of campy, relatively low budget FMV game. Right. Um, this one is also relatively low budget, but because they have their their scope is really small. You're in a you know you're in a therapist room with a couch and a person sitting on it. Like they have full control over things like audio quality, which was a big issue in Contradiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got really kind of surprisingly nice like HD video for all of FMV, which is one of the weirdest things about this kind of semi-resurgence of FMV games that we're getting now, because when I think of FMV games, I think of games like that X-Files game you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I think of point-and-click adventure games where you have a digitized version of a human being there, you know, like Mortal Kombat style. Yes. I, you know, like, uh, oh, fuck, what was the name of it? Uh, what was the horror one that was terrible and had a sequel as well? Uh, Phantasmagoria? Phantasmagoria, that, exactly. <laughs> I think of Phantasmagoria. Um, or one, another one that I found out from Giant Bomb recently. There's one called Tender Loving Care. Oh, right. It's an FMV adventure game that had John Hart in it. Oh, okay. And it's terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> it's, it seems uh, very few or, of those or, games were good. Yeah. Or or Night Trap. Well, yeah, Night Trap's a classic. That's getting a really yeah. that's getting a it is, remake. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what you wanted. Everyone wanted an HD version of Night Trap. No, I want Phantasmagoria. Yeah, I mean it's on good old games. You can play Phantasmagoria <laughs> whenever you want. <laughs> or. Talking about the full motion bits, uh, it was the Wing Commander Four that had Mark Hamill in it. Yes, that's true. Yes, I yeah. I really like that. Was the things I really liked actually was FMV games that, as much as I you know have fond memories of silly FMV adventure games, I never thought any of them, any of the ones I played were particularly good. But FMV in other styles of games, I thought was always great. Like I love Command and Conquer. Like the Command and Conquer series did it. For oh right, yes, yeah. Um, like Command and Conquer three, which probably not for most people their favorite Command and Conquer. Probably my favorite Command and Conquer, with um, oh, fuck, I forget his name. Uh, Sawyer from Lost, uh, is like the main kind of commander that guides you through oh. the Nod campaign. Wow. Um, which is really good, and then uh. Command and Conquer Red Alert three that had Tim Curry in it. Yes, yeah, and a bunch of other celebrities because they kind of just <laughs> went all out. Yeah, yeah, EA just threw shit tons of money at that. Yeah, I actually started replaying that game relatively recently, and that FMV is still fantastic. It's just so good, so campy. <laughs> campy be- is important for FMV. I think if you try to take it too seriously, it just doesn't work. Yeah, the uh, I quote the opening sequence of Resident Evil. Yes. But on the original PlayStation discs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuff's great. Uh, there's been, it's weird, there's been a lot of FMV games coming out recently. Because there was, um, 
What was the one that came out on PS4 recently? There was one that you're in a bunker. Oh, yes. Yeah, there was one of you in the bunker, and then there was the one that's kind of... Uh, uh, the bunker was just called the bunker. <laughs> yeah, the uh, but the other one is... It's uh, an ad- meant to be like an adventure, and it had like Australian guys in it. Um, and it was set in the city, and most of it's there in the back of a car. Yes, then and you're like you're doing crime stuff. Um, I yes, saw the start of yeah. that. It looked quite good. Fuck, what's yeah. that one? I'm gonna feel bad uh, if I don't find the name of that one now. Because that, <laughs> like, talking about games that sound kind of cool, and then not actually giving them. Uh, I'll try to find it on Steam. Steam has so many tags for things. I don't know if any. Oh, there is one for FMV. Of course, there is. Of course. Uh, Late Shift is the name of that game. Late Shift, that's the one. Which that one looks really good, and that's another one that has, again, like the fact that there's just been this resurgence of FMV, which means all the FMV is super high definition because everyone just has, you know, if you buy a cheap camera now, it will record in at least yeah, yeah. your phone will record and at least 1080p if you have an iphone it's probably closer to like you know 2k at this point yes um yeah, yeah it's bizarre and there's so many of them but um the infectious madness of dr decker is one that seems to at least have an interesting gameplay concept maybe one mm-hmm. that doesn't 100 percent hold up but, right uh i definitely think it's worth a look if you liked her story you know it's not gonna quite you know, scratch the same edge because it's still you know, nothing's going to be as good as her story for quite some time. I don't think. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like it was a very part of it, just being because it was a really unique thing that came out of nowhere and was, you know, a surprise. Yes. Else. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd recommend people at least take a look though at the infectious madness of Doctor Decker. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll be checking that one out. I think it's only on PC just now, which I would expect given that it's text based. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, be awkward to do with a controller. <laughs> cool. I I think that says for video games. Yeah, I think so. I can. I've not played anything else really. No, it's um, it has been pretty quiet. Um, and. That will become more evident when we we do the next you know, the, the coming weeks releases. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, we've been playing some board games. We have we had a board game day on Saturday. We we did yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so we played uh, one of the games that we spoke about last week, which was Dice Forge. Yeah, I was happy to. Finally, kind of, well, I say finally, we only talked about it last week. <laughs> <laughs> but I was happy to get my hands on that one. Um, it's such a smart idea, like doing the kind of deck building thing, but instead of building a deck, you're building a dice. Yes. So it still has that element of randomness because, you know, instead of shuffling a deck and taking cards out, you're literally rolling dice. But mm-hmm. you can do dumb things like, you know, make your dice entirely out of coins. So that one always gives you money. <laughs> <laughs> Although, as we all realised very quickly, money is fucking useless. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. Like, I think we all spent our first couple of turns going, oh, I'll get the six gold thing and put that on my dice. That'll be great. Oh, I'll get the four gold thing and put it on my dice. And then, after a couple of rounds, we're like, oh, man, 
I've got too much money. I can't get any more money. I literally, <laughs> this dice roll roll was useless because I have all of the money. Yeah, it's... and I, there's also there's a die faces that you can get just straight victory points, and those things I don't know. They must be made of fucking air because <laughs> we, we all bought like two or three of them, and they were never coming up. The ones that I so. The way that we talked about this last week, describing how it works, but it just reminds some people like the way it works is you're rolling dice, you get money, you get light shards, you get dark shards, and you get victory points. I think that's all you get from them, right? Uh, yes. And money can be used to buy more faces for your dice, which you just pop other ones off, replace them. And the rules seem really lenient about what you replace with what, so you can just pop whatever one off you want and put whatever yes. So if you want to yeah. have no light shards ever come up, you can do that, because fuck it, why not? Yeah. Um, light shards, you can spend two to do a second action in your turn, but also there's... Uh, I forget how many. There's six? Seven cards? Six cards. Uh, there's six... Six ones for the six light shards. Six on your shards. side and then one in the middle that has both. Yes, that's right. So there's like six light shards, six dark shard cards you can get that cost, you know, different variations of like, you know, one light shard, two, etc, etc. Uh, and then there's one that's like six of each that you need. And these cards give different things. They all give victory points, or most of them give victory points at the end, but some of them also have abilities that either use right away or that happen over time. Mm-hmm. And the what. The one thing that I kind of found about it that was difficult was that a lot of the stuff is not very clear what those cards do without reading the instructions to go, oh, that's what that card does. See, I I thought the symbology was okay one, but you had to have read everything. Yeah. At least, yeah. yeah, you definitely um, can't just like pick up and look at it and go, that does this. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah. oh, that's got two little dice on it and it's got an arrow around it so that means you get to re-roll two dice but it's also got other people on it so I think other everyone else rolls two dice yes yeah, some of it was uh, it, it, it's simple once you read it once and that was one of the things that I found when I first explained the game uh, when I yeah. explained it to Anne and then obviously when I explained it to um, you guys when you came on Saturday was Here's the game. Here's the basic mechanics. You can buy these things. I'm not going to tell you what these things do because we'd spend too much time read the menu at the time. So we, the the first round was just everyone passing the rule book or as we called it the menu, just passing it around and having a look on your turn, and that seemed to work a little bit better. Yeah, I like because that. yeah, that it the. The game is very simple, but these cards can do some pretty complex things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just... It, it was... I, I I enjoyed teaching the game to everyone as well because it was, it was very easy to do. And when you've got the, the, the middle of the rule book that folds out, because the rule book are all in all these four pages, so it just opens up in the middle and you can see everything that you can get. Uh, it, yeah, it just kind of flowed and, and worked a, a lot better as well. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, but the one thing is just that there was a couple of things I didn't understand what they did until a bit later yeah. in the game. And if I'd known early on, I would have systematically gotten every single one of the mirror 
sides for the dice and just cover <laughs> the dice. <at> them. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, so there was a the mirror die, um, and what that one does is you'll know better than me, but it allows you to copy somebody else's die face. Yeah, because every time someone rolls a dice, everyone rolls a dice. Like the start yes. of every person, every player's turn, everyone rolls a die and gets or rolls both their dice and gets the you know the resources from it. Yeah. So yeah, if you have a mirror face, then the mirror face lets you pick, you know, something from someone else's and go, oh well, you know, Mike rolled three victory points. I'll have uh-huh. those as well, thanks. So I would happily have just covered, you know, one of my dice mostly in that, so I could just steal yes. other people's things every turn. Yeah. And yeah. be like, oh, Mike got two loads of gold, and so did Anne, and so did Leanne. Oh well, I guess I'm getting gold then. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there is also a special die that gives you treble the other die yes there's um, also a bunch of other special die that we just didn't use yeah um, there was there. There, I think there was four which were on cards that weren't even in the game Ah, uh, okay. so I, this was the one thing I didn't mention last week um, which is really cool is that all of the cards that we used in the game have a little dot on them. And these are the cards that you use when you're playing the game for the first few times. There are other cards in there that don't have the little dots on them. And what these do is they they give you different benefits and they, they sometimes make it a bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of them have got a bit more take that elements in it and it changes the game up. So when you're setting up, the rule book says... you. You know, once you, you're familiar with all what the different light shards and dark shards do, you can swap them, and it's up to you how you do it. You can, uh, you know, take, uh, swap out one light shard and one dark shard, which it suggests you do, and it says, or you can just, you know, swap the whole lot out, or just mix and match and pick your favourites. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, just... I'm still very impressed at the game. It played, it scales really well. Um, we weren't too sure because when we spoke about it the last time, we said we played the two-player game and it was over very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this took a little bit longer, but I still, I don't know about you, but I was still ready for doing more because I, I, I think I only had one die the way that I wanted, wanted it and I wanted the other one. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that way. You definitely feel, you definitely felt to me like you end up with one one die fully formed basically and then the other one with a couple of things on it maybe yeah but still you'll still be rolling one gold here and there but i think that's all right i think having knowing that you can you know still have a really shitty roll no matter what yeah decent yeah um yeah really good and still really impressed for the the price of that game so you should be able to pick it up for probably the maximum in if you're in the uk about 35 pounds i'm not 100 percent sure what it is in in dollars i know it's it's inexpensive as well it's not as much as you know your big miniatures games and things like that but it is definitely worth the price yeah i think so as well because i don't know if i'd necessarily pick it up because i don't think i'd play it that much but i definitely enjoyed it yes yeah I think, you know, in your gaming group, if at least one person has it, mm-hmm. it's good. But, yeah, yeah like, like you say, owning multiple copies, it's not 
it's not like Splendor, you know, where <laughs> everyone where that plays board everyone games... Everyone needs has... a copy of Splendor. Yes, yeah. And it's not like it... from Whitechapel. Yes. I, I don't think everyone needs a copy of this, but, yeah, somebody in your gaming group should have it. And, yeah, definitely recommended. Yeah, I agree. Mm. What else did we play, Mike? We played Euphoria. <laughs> should we just jump to the, the main thing? Yes, yeah, I think we should. Jesus Christ, Euphoria is damn good. <laughs> yeah, so um, I th- I've said to you, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet, but Jamie Stegmaier, I think, is one of my favourite board game designers. It's definitely the getting there for me as well. Like There was a while where I'd only played Scythe, and I was like, ah, what are you talking about? Scythe's good. I like Scythe, yeah. so it's really good, but I don't know. Uh, but since I picked up Viticulture, played through that single player, Still not super sold on the single player aspect of it, but I think Viticulture is a really cool game and I'm looking forward to playing it with multiple people. Yeah. Um, but then Euphoria, man. Jeez. Um, I think we've <laughs> talked about how you play Euphoria before on here. We we have, yes. So, um, But just quickly to give people a, night, uh, a refresher on the theme. Um, the game's a worker placement game, so... It's, you know, you place uh, workers on the board to do actions and then you're gaining things and you're, you're saving those things up to be able to do something. But the theme that's built around this is that you're all living in a dystopia and there are four factions in this dystopia. And what you're doing is you are gaining alliances. Uh, so you have an alliance with one of the the factions in the dystopia and you are trying to build a better world you're trying to uh, place your influence uh, and you've got 10 points of influence it's these little stars and once you place them out in the world that's you know you can start to change the world and build a better dystopia mm-hmm. um the the theme carries out in so you've got uh, where you get new workers from. So almost every worker placement game has the thing where you can get workers from. Yeah. Um, in Euphoria, it's a birthing pool. <laughs> yes. So you can either, and you can, um, the the resources in Euphoria is there's, there's electricity, there's water, there's fruit, and then there's a, a drug that a certain faction um, manufacturer to keep everyone brainwashed called Bliss. So that's the, uh, one of the four the four main resources. And when you're using the birth and pull, you can either shock them awake or you can birth them awake with water, a bit like in the Matrix. Yeah. I, I just think it's really, really cool. Um, that was not water. That was like... Okay, no, that... That was like the goop that beans come in. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was like someone <laughs> emptied the fucking tin or a bunch of tins of pink spaghetti <laughs> hoops into a pod with Keanu Reeves. In it. Uh, but yeah, we digress. Yeah, so you know the theme builds into it that way, um, and yeah. So, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the way the theme kind of affects everything was really good. So you have, um, you know, the idea is that there's these four factions and they're all, you know, wanting a bit more control over this dystopia. And as a result, every faction is trying to mine into every other faction's resources. Yes. So 
you know, if you want to mine some, you know, I want to mine some stone, you'll go to the place that's mining stone, but also they're trying to get the peaches that the desert people are growing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So eventually, you, if you help them enough just because you wanted stone, they're also going to be take, get, giving you the ability to get three peaches every turn if you work with them. Um, yes. And I just really love that whole theming and the whole you roll your dice or your workers every time you get back and that's their intelligence points and if your workers get too smart they leave so you've got to try and keep them just dumb enough yeah just dumb enough to work (laughs) for you but smart enough that you're getting good points and the stuff that you want yes Um, yeah just really smart uh yeah the the fact that he's using dice as the workers yeah it's smart it's really really clever like i i've you know been pretty vocal on this podcast before about not liking games that rely on dice rolling but it's such a it's a relatively small part of this game yes like yeah it doesn't yeah. make or break it a bad roll is actually usually better like, but yeah even then... um yeah i i think when you go into the rule book and i'd said this to to you and leanne when again when we were explaining it that the rule book is full of theme and so, you know, he explains how when you retrieve workers, when you get them back off the board and you roll the dice, what's happening, them- happening thematically in the game is you are um, you're talking to new people and you're convincing them to, you know, do what you want. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just blindly follow you. Um, but the one uh, and those are like the low rolls, the ones, twos and threes. But the ones that you roll five and six they're actually grasping the the horror of the world they're living in. Yeah. And he's went into this great detail to write this in the rule book, and you think, just tell us to roll the fucking dice. But (laughs) they have spent so much time in doing all this different um, uh, theme and and building building this world. And it's like a thing where everything is just kind of silly enough that it feels light-hearted and a lot less yes you know it feels more like um terry gilliam's brazil than it feels like 1984 you know yes yes yeah. it's, it's just silly enough that it's like okay this is you know it's kind of really horrible that we're keeping these people dumb but you know it's also kind of funny yes yeah yeah um i really enjoyed it uh i think the one complaint i had about it which I said to you after we played it on Saturday was unlike um, the other games by uh, Jimmy Stigmar and uh, Alan Stone. Uh, yeah, and um, like the the unlike the other games, the there isn't a lot of direction to start with. Yeah, because you know, like Scythe has Scythe, you start with two cards that give you like if you complete the objective on one of these cards you will get a star and you will be kind of on your way to winning the game yeah and viticulture has you start with uh, a wine order so you know roughly to go i'm going to aim towards or you have the option actually i think in viticulture to not start with a wine order start with more money but that seems like more of a choice you would make if you you know knew what the fuck you were doing already, yeah, um, it, it also depends on which mama and papa card you draw as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you but, usually start with something that will kind of say, 
you might want to aim for this. Or you start yes, with it, some grapes and go, I, I'm going to start making this kind of wine because this is what I have and I'm going to do this. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then I guess the, the bit in Euphoria that's meant to do that is you start with a recruit card and you start with a recruit card that is, you know, face down, is kind of not part of your yeah. group yet. Yeah, so you should, you should start to try and move that loyalty track along. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of gives you some a bit of direction of I already have this guy so I should probably aim to make sure that faction is doing well enough that I get the bonuses from that faction Yeah. But also yeah. I have this other one here so I want that one to do well enough that I can then flip him over and get his advantages as well Yes. which gives you a little bit of direction but I feel like it just didn't work quite as well mainly because the first time you play it you don't really understand or at least I didn't quite understand until a couple of rounds in how important those faction tracks are? Yeah, um, I think I, I think that is an issue with most worker placement games, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, th- there is so much choice. Your your brain goes ah, and so in the past, like you know, you were spot on when he's done viticulture and he's done scythe. He's given you something to aim for. Um, scythe if I remember correctly, even has a whole section of the the rule book. Try doing this, then try doing this, then try doing this. It's or is it on the, it's, yeah, it's it's the back on, of the, the cheat sheet card? Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's the back of the card. And it tells you to try doing, you know, all of these things. Um, yeah, it's... Euphoria is more the... It's closer to, you know, a traditional worker placement, I think, in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, but these other games, I've they do have that direction, and yeah, I think it could have. I don't think it would have hurt it anyway to to give you that little bit of direction. No, I don't either. But also, I don't think that it hurts the game overall that much no. to not have it because it is one of those things that it affects the kind of the first few turns of your first game. Yeah, and then after that, it doesn't matter. I guess whatever. You, yes. you, you get what you're doing or you roughly yeah. get what you're doing um, although then things happen like you know with us one of us pointed out you know none of us really use the sky people stuff ever and I was like alright I can win the game there I'm going to do that <laughs> <laughs> yes um, yeah um, yeah the, the game I so I've played it a good couple of times with Anne um because Anne and myself both love dystopias. It's one of our best, our favourite uh, genres of science fiction. Mm-hmm. And so the theme for us is absolutely fantastic. And we played uh, Euphoria a good couple of times and two-player. And there's, the choices in a two-player game are, you know, you never really have to interact with each other unless you're doing the building stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we thought, I, I thought it was going to be quite claustrophobic playing a four-player mm-hmm. game. And it wasn't. It was, you know, there was still the freedom to move and do things around. But the game also has that uh, the the system where you bump workers off. Yeah. And I think that's that that's brilliant as well. Yeah. Which is an advantage because when you bring workers back, it costs you something to bring them back. Yes. And also, you don't want to have too many workers back because a worker's intelligence doesn't matter if they're doing something because they're too busy to think. So yes. 
if you bring them all back and you have a bunch of workers in your resource pool and they all have high intelligence, then one of them is going to leave. So yes. there's it's this weird thing where it's advantageous sometimes. Like when you're, if you are getting towards the end of the game and you have four workers out doing stuff, when it comes time next turn to bring some people back so that you can put them out next turn, you're thinking, all right, well, that guy... That guy's somewhere that he can't be bumped because he's just, you know, mining uh, water in the, the water pool. So that, yep. he can't be bumped from there. He just kind of adds on from that one. So you can stay there. But this person here is, you know, on the mining spot that goes, you know, it gives me gold. And people are building stuff out of gold, so he's probably going to get bumped. So I might as well take him now. Yeah. And this guy's here, and uh, this guy is on this spot where you get victory points. Someone might do that, but it doesn't seem no one seems to have three cards, so maybe they just won't. Do, maybe I can risk it. Uh, and you're just every single one of your workers, <laughs> like just bringing your workers back so that you can then use them for something interesting, is yes. an interesting decision in itself. Which yeah. is a really smart thing, and I didn't really expect that from it. And it yeah. definitely has that thing where. Like you're saying, like a lot of worker placement games do end up feeling very claustrophobic. You do end up feeling like you're just playing a single player game and not interacting with other people until the end when you compare your victory points. Yes, yeah. And they definitely got around that with this whole, well, if you're in this spot, someone else has to take you out of that spot to go into that spot. Yeah. And also the, the faction stuff. Because if you're doing something that benefits a faction, anyone else can get that benefit as well yeah so you have to remember yeah. like if you want to get the faction track all the way to the end for the underground people then you'll get a star for it but anyone else with one of their cards will also get a star for it so it's not really yeah it, you know if you're like me and you have two of their cards then it's probably an advantage for you but yes yeah <laughs> yeah it was is a really good game um i do think they're very good in general at um, making their games not like making worker placement games that are not you know feeling they don't feel like solo games no no like Viticulture is the same way um, again from what I've seen I've not played a proper multiplayer game yet but uh -huh. it has that whole concept of if you want to place a worker somewhere to do something and someone else is already there then you can't because someone else is doing that. So you have to think of something else to do. Someone else could fuck up your whole turn just by, you know, yes, deciding. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is summer. I'm going to plant grapes. And you're like, you motherfucker. I needed to plant <laughs> grapes. How will I make my wine, you monster? Yeah. Um, and, but then the, you know, the winter and the summer visitors cards allow you to sometimes manipulate things like that as well. Yeah. And also um, you have your grandy worker who can yes, do whatever the yeah. fuck he wants because he's a yeah. big guy. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's also the there's the when you're playing with more than two players, there's the bonus spots on the track as yeah. well. So the first person can go, and if you want, you don't have to take the bonus. You don't need to go on the the spot that gives you the bonuses mm -hmm. because sometimes it may not be what you're what you're needing. It may put you over your limit, or uh, it might put you over your hand limit, or yeah. 
you know, you you just want to do it once. You don't need to do it a second time, or you yeah. don't need the coins or whatever. Um, but yeah, he has got this the the player interaction down. Yeah, definitely. And then Scythe is a work placement game, but is also just a war game underneath it. So yeah, and it's, it's got that. Yeah, it's primarily a work placement game, but then also you can go and murder people and kidnap their workers. So yeah, yes, yeah, and he's got, he's got this the the engine building in it as well. It's just yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely think they're they're good at stuff. I really want to go back and play the pirate game they made a while ago. Um, just because I like pirate themed games, and they play, they made a pirate game. Yeah, I don't know if it's specifically Jamie Stegmar, but Stonemaier Games definitely published. Oh, it. okay. Uh, Unless I'm misremembering. I may be misremembering, actually. Um, oh, fuck. No, I'm misremembering. Never mind. Someone oh, right, okay. Fire game that I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> but I am looking forward to them uh, doing Charterstone. Yes. That's not too... No, theoretically not too far off. It was yeah. meant to be this year. It's probably going to be next year. Uh, no, it's still it's still on track. Has it? They haven't shown like anything of it. That seems... Well, mm. he he has been very vocal uh, on social media. He created a Facebook oh, group. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I've been... So I joined the Facebook group uh, when he brought it out. And he's been doing a whole load of stuff. So he has announced that in... I think it's going to be around about December time. He's going to be selling the recharge pack for the game. Oh, cool. So the, the game is meant to be... It's a legacy-style um like um village building game yeah and at the end of the game some worker placement again absolutely yeah (laughs) so at the end of the game you're going to end up with this board that has been changed depending on the way that you've played the game and it's designed it's not like pandemic legacy uh you know where it was quite difficult to play the game again this is you know the, the world has changed but it's changed not f- well it could be for the better or it could be for the worst but you know it's changed and it, it's now your board it's your game um but he is going to be bringing out recharge packs that allow you to reset everything mm-hmm. um and he announced that i think it was three days ago that's cool so he has been yeah, quite vocal good. yeah that's cool um, uh, well that's good then because i really love the idea of that um yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I'm looking at Stonemaier Games' website just now, and the games they've made: Fit Culture, you play more people, but it seems really cool. Euphoria, fantastic. Yeah. Between Two Cities, fantastic. Scythe, fantastic. So they're definitely up there. Yeah. Um, not Between Two Cities expansions comes in as well. I uh, that came out this week. Oh, was it out this week? <sighs> yes. I thought it yeah, was August for some reason. Uh, no, that came out this week along with the expansion for Five Tribes. Uh, oh, I was thinking the Splendor expansion. That's a uh, end of August or September. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, I need to go and order a board game expansion just now. I think. <laughs> um, but yes, other than raving about how much we love Stormar games, uh, we did yes. play other things as well. We did, yes. So we played some. Spoke about it, I think, on last week's show as well. But we played some Libertalia. Yes. Oh, the show before. We've definitely talked about it a few times. Yes, we have, yeah. Um, So, yeah, we were looking for something to play. And we're just going through. 
And I think it was because we'd spoken about Libertalia a couple of weeks ago and you yeah. said, can we play Libertalia again? Um, so we did. And it was great just to, you know, we don't do it as often as we should. When we play games, we're normally playing something something new. Yeah. Um, because we, you know, we both have this horrible disorder where we can't stop buying board games. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to go back and play something that we all knew. We did a two-minute refresher on how to play, and then that was us into it. Um, I have come to the realization that I am absolutely fucking terrible at Libertalia. Yeah. I, I, did, I did okay, but not as well as I did last time. <laughs> Yeah, I I love the game. It's one of my favourite games. Uh, I love the interaction. It's a mean game. You, you know, you're punching people in the face and you can punch yourself in the face. Yeah, any game so where you can elim- eliminate yourself is brilliant. Um, you're, you know, you're stealing all the treasures before, or not even stealing them, you're discarding them, getting rid of them before anyone else can pick. Um, it's just a mean mean-spirited game it's all this interaction i i love the card drafting everything but i am absolutely hopeless at it and I, but i still love it yeah i i did really well last time i feel like something happened in this game that happened last game as well where in the first round someone gets a massive lead just because they did really really well and then that yes six <laughs> um i i found it to be most times it uh, when you play, you know, the full three rounds, it does balance out yeah. because so, uh, somebody may take a, a stinking lead, and but normally round about the third round, somebody pulls it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, yeah, I have seen it. The the rubber banding, for want of a better term, um, but the rubber banding is quite good. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, there is no. There's not always a breakaway winner. I've I think I've seen it once. Yeah, that's fair. I I really enjoy Libertad, and and it's one of those games that I will always happily play. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. yeah. I I think we said it the last time we spoke about it when I took it to the board game day, and everyone's going, "Oh right, okay, I need to buy this," and it's <laughs> yeah, try it. Yeah. It's. I think it's had two reprints since I bought it, and they sell it pretty quickly. And I think if you have a look online right now for it, it's going for silly money. Yeah, uh, I do definitely regret not buying it when it was, you know, lower price. Yeah, was it, oh man, yeah, but, was only thirty quid. Mm. Yeah. Why did, why did I open Amazon? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. You could buy Fury of Dracula for a low, low price of £747 for 54 pence. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> that's, that's listed as an Amazon. That's a bargain. Oh, man, that is mad. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, I was talking to someone earlier about how I should just stock up in copies of letters from, from Whitechapel so that next time it goes out of print... <laughs> can just scalp them because Letters from Whitechapel was one of those games that also went out of print for a while and it's back in print now I believe because the expansion came out Yes, uh, but it was out of print for years Yeah, and so when I picked it up it was just going out of print basically 
And then within a couple of months, it was like £100 for a copy of Letters from yeah. Whitechapel. Actually, no, Letters from Whitechapel is out front again. Great. Eighty-six <laughs> forty-nine for on Amazon. Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, wow. Bloody I hell. sell Letters from... No, I never sell it. I never <laughs> see such things. Um... But yes, Libertalia is uh, it's in the 50s just now. It's expensive, but it's not too bad. Right, right. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's rising. <laughs> <laughs> you know, rising tides raise all pirate ships. Yeah, it's. I think it's the, it's one of the the only things with board games um, is that you know that, that you have got this limited availability of them. So we went to. But last night, actually, we were out visiting uh, Ben, um, mm-hmm. the our editor, and uh, I'd taken, I taken. I normally take a, a couple of party games around um, for his kids, and we'll we'll sit and we'll play some games, and then they go to bed, and then the adults can play games, and we can sit and chat, and you know, pretend to do adult things and things like that. He starts swearing but, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we took. Um, I, I took a game and. It was just myself and Ben's kids that were playing and the rest of the adults were doing adult stuff. And I thought, no, I'm not doing that. So I taught them a game. It's a, a little card game called Falling Coin. And it's very, very simple. You've got a, a card and you put a coin on it. And then you're passing the card uh, between everyone with another card that you're holding between your uh, thumb and your forefinger. Mm-hmm. You're basically pinching the card and then you have to, you know, end up carrying all these other cards and the card with the coin on it. Yeah. Um, and basically whoever doesn't manage to do that and the thing falls over, you lose. And we, uh, the kids are quite young, so we weren't playing, you know, but exactly by the rules We modified them a little bit. Um, and they've got smaller hands, so it was, they could pinch the card a little bit better. And we didn't have to worry about the specific way you were picking up the cards and things. Um, and they had a blast. We played three or four minutes with it. And uh, Ben then took his kids to bed and he was putting them to bed. And it was, Dad, we want that game. <laughs> and unfortunately, that game I picked up in Essen. And the only way you could pick up that game now would be to go to Japan. Yeah, because we searched the internet for it and nope, nobody nobody has it. And the funny thing was, is it's, it is a micro game. It comes in like a bank bag and I got it free when I bought two t-shirts and a game from the, the game store. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah, and uh, we, when we, we got it two years ago, we took it back to the, the hotel and we opened it up and said, you know, what's this thing? We'll probably end up giving it away. And played it in the hotel room and realized, my God, we could have bought... They were selling them for one euro a copy. You could have just bought a few and given them away or something. It, yeah, we should have We should have bought a box full of them. Yeah, it happens. But, uh, Essence Peel's not that long away. No, it's not. Um, um, I'm, I'm not going to Essen this year, unfortunately. That's a shame. I'm going to Disneyland instead. Well, Disneyland Paris anyway. But I'm I'm going to Disney instead. Woohoo! Great. Yeah. <laughs> Disney board games. Yes, exactly. Yeah, they'll have Disney themed things. Be, <laughs> I'm sure there's a Disney Catan in there somewhere. Well, you can get Disney Double. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and there's a, a Disney Code Names coming up. Oh jeez, of course it is. 
Yes, yeah. Courtney um, really was a big success for them. Wasn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the uh, because there was code names, code name pictures. There was yeah. the code names after dark, um, which is I don't know if it's just rude words. Well, it must be. Must be. Yeah. Um, and humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's the there's uh, the code names Disney coming out, and I think they're doing like a Disney princess variant, and they're doing uh they're, they're going to do quite a lot of Disney variants on it. So they they could be code names Star Wars coming out. Um, yeah, I mean they also own like a variety of other you know properties, so you could probably get code names PewDiePie, you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> Oh God, no! <laughs> but um, we digress. Uh, we played one more board game uh, yes. on the Saturday. Yes, played Fun Employment, which we talked about oh. here before. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, which is or Fun Employed? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's Fun Employed. Fun yeah. Employed. My apologies. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a card game, party game where uh, one person is the kind of interviewer and they no, they don't really have much to do but everyone uh, has a hand of cards that they're or the way we play it at least because there's multiple rule sets uh, everyone has a hand of cards that they don't look at and the person draws a card that is the job that everyone else is applying for yes and then you just have to kind of improv and you know try and be funny and try and get a job <laughs> Yes, um, and so most of the jobs are kind of weird things. Somewhere, all right. Um, a lot of the cards are just rude and being like, "Oh, great, well, <laughs> that's great, I guess." Yeah. There, um. So there was a couple of the cards that we hadn't seen before. But you know that I've purposely done that whenever I played the game. I try and put those to the the bottom, and I've never actually went through any of the cards. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because you want it to be as much of a surprise to you as yeah. it is to everyone else when you're playing. The thing that we've all learned from Cards Against Humanity is that you get bored of the same cards over and over. So Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of the cards, the, the skills that I'd found before were, uh, yeah, they're pretty innocuous. And then we just seemed to, we must have just hit a little stack in the deck mm-hmm. where some of them were a little bit, rude and then some of them were just downright disgusting <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like one of the jobs was gynecologist yes and people got I guess part of the, part of the rudeness is really just the combinations so you end up with yes you know, yeah someone yeah. was slimy so <laughs> and this yeah everyone has like you know four cards in front of them that is their their qualifications for that job and you've got to spin these qualifications you know, go do your best kind of Tory party thing and yes. spin your bullshit to be like, oh no, I can get, I should be able to get this job. Like, I'm slimy, but slimy is good for being a gynecologist because blah 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 blah. And yeah, it's silly. It's really fun though. Um, yeah, I think sometimes uh, so that one of the some of the fun that we had with it as well was we would turn over a card, and there's a, you know, there's one or two ways that you can go with this. You can you know, mine straight in the gutter and just did, you know, descent into madness and, uh, or you can try and rescue it and, and sort of 
do like a, a, a real interview. So uh, the example that I'm thinking of was uh, the job was for a model. Mm-hmm. And the first card that I flipped over was just two words and it said heavy flow. <laughs> so of course, everyone's everyone's laughing and I've, I've just got my head in my hands. I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this? Um, you know, because, uh, you know, to, Anne's there and the Anne's there and you're thinking, come on, Mike, you need to behave yourself. They just, and I ended up going with, um, as a model, I always have a heavy flow of work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but I think that's part of the fun is, is playing with the expectations as well. Um, yeah. And I, I think you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I don't think I was particularly good at it, but it was fun. Um, but I th- th- that's the fun of the yeah, game. Yeah, I, is... I think being bad at it is funny as well. Is yeah, part of it. yeah. As long as um, everyone is laughing is the good bit. Hey, exactly. You've sometimes, got... sometimes you get that kind of good load of cards that work well. Like, I got... Uh, oh, what was it? I got uh, Learned on the Streets or something like that. Like, Street Smart as my uh-huh. thing for gynecologist. Yes. I was like, yeah, don't even need no proper fucking degree. Just bring a street smarts into this. <laughs> That's all you need. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff works well. And then sometimes you, you're trying to work around really bizarre cards, and that's where it's harder, but it's it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just good fun. Yeah. Um, it's, it is now my go-to instead of uh, Cards Against Humanity. You yeah, know, yeah. we've spoke about Cards Against Humanity uh, for a, well, a number of years now on the podcast that we kind of, you know, we don't play it much anymore because we did get to that kind of that point with it where, yeah, we're. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's um, one of those things. It's still a good game. It's just played too much of it and you can't yes. play it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think that. Uh, Billionaire Banshee is still my go-to. Uh, one of those yeah. games. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got, I've kind of got a little, um, a little list of them, a little playlist of them now. So, uh, Fun Employed is definitely one of them. Nitwit is another. Um, uh, Fake Artist Goes to New York. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I think those are those are three. I've got other ones that I can kind of pepper in and, and throw in. Uh, Insider is another one. Yeah. I think those three in particular are definitely safe bets. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so... No, I, I was I was pretty sure that you were going to enjoy it, and I was uh, I was glad that you did as well. Yeah, it was a good one. Cool. Um, I think that's it for board games. Oh, no, well, wait, sorry, you played something else. I did, yeah. So um, I just wanted to mention this one. I went... So sometimes what I'll do is I'll nip into my uh, friendly local game store and I'll pop in and buy everything yeah yeah but sometimes if I know something's coming out I'll pop in to see when their stock's arriving and ask them if they can keep a copy for me Um, they generally don't do well you can buy online from them through Amazon and things like that but Mm -hmm. you know that's but you can't uh, I can't reserve online and i I, I like to go in and, and catch up with the guys there and, and have a chat and things as well. So I popped in and uh, I was wanting them to keep me a copy of a game that came out this week, which is uh, from 
Kilmany or not, it's the new Godfather game, Eric Lang's yeah. new game. So got them to put that aside for me when it came in stock and uh, was having a look at the shelves and they, they do quite a lot of, they've got a couple of shelves now where they have games that they're clearing out. And I found a game in there um, by the guy that makes the Tiny Epic games. And it was a Kickstarter game that he brought out as well. The guy's name is Scott Elms and it's called Loop Inc. And uh, it's a time travel game. So the idea is that you work for this really bad time travel agent called Loop Inc. And what they do is they have a time machine and, you know, you for a couple of, for the, the correct price, customers can go on a trip. They can go and sign the Declaration of Independence or they can go and beat a caveman over the head. They can go to various points in time. So what the way the game is played and the, the story is that, uh, you know, the, the boss is a bit of a cheapskate and he makes us do the same day three times over. So on the first day, what we do is we've got our time machine and we have to get it ready for various places we want to go. On the, the, the playing area are these cards, these destinations where you want to go. Um, so let's say you want to go and see the Declaration of Independence. Um, it may say that your time machine to be able to go to this part and to uh, deal with the weather and all the conditions there, it needs a set of landing wheels, it needs a propeller, and it may need um, some armor, yeah. for example. So um, what you do is the you build this, you do this by taking action. So you can take a, a card, which is the garage card, and in the garage you can choose one of two things you can choose either the the propeller or the wheels and then you can take another card um and the, you may go to the shop and the shop's got two a choice of two things that you can take as well and the armory has only got one thing and there's a couple of other places that you can go to but the the idea is that um on the first day everyone takes three actions and you can you know so you can get your ship ready and then off you go you um with your time travel machine, you can go to your destination, mm -hmm. which is all fine and good. Then at the beginning of the second day, thematically what happens is you travel back in time to the first day. Okay. Okay, so now you have your, soup, your souped-up time machine, and because you went back in the past, you now have two time machines, don't you? Yeah. Okay, so now you can go to two places... And what you ha and you can take three new fresh actions, but you also have to do the first the the actions you did on the first day, and you have to do in them in the correct order that you did them. Otherwise, if you don't, it creates a, a temporal uh, anomaly, a tear in time in the space fabric time. So on the second day, you've got to take six actions, and you can split these actions up to do anything to the two time machines and then you can send them somewhere else at the end of the second day you go back again and now you have three three time machines and you have to play nine actions and okay. uh, and also uh, when you go back to the next day um what i forgot to tell you was uh just as a, a matter of course, when you go to the shop and the garage, there's a limited number of resources there. So um, there is one of each thing for every number of players that there are. So if there's uh, three of you playing, then there would be three propellers. 
And it's possible for one person to take all three propellers. But at the beginning of the second day, um, because you're going back in time, the stores refresh to the right things. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, a really, really clever little game. Yeah. But think, thinky as hell. Really, yeah. really... <laughs> It is a brain burner. Um, really, uh, so we played, we didn't even play all three games. We played it last night. Uh, sorry, all three days. Because um, uh, we, we had to get the last train home. Um, really, really liked it. Um, very, very thinky brain burner. And it cost me 10 quid. Not bad. Yep. They're very, very impressed with that. Uh, I was better on these deals. <laughs> well, they they still have a few copies of it as well. Ah, um, way yeah, uh, it was a Kickstarter game um, from a company called Eagle Griffin Games, and the really cool thing about it, I've actually got the box right now, and they did a plastic insert, which it's not new for Kickstarters. You know, they have this thing where, yeah, we'll uh, as a stretch goal, we'll give you an insert, and it's got a compartment for all the different pieces. This one does. It does that. It's got a compartment for the three different um, decks of cards, and then there is uh, four little compartments to for you to store all the different little tokens that you need. But then the really cool thing is the the inlay tray has this lid that sits on top of it, and it's a plastic, a clear plastic lid that sits on top, and it actually covers. Um, it's it's a bit like a Tupperware lid. It sits right on top and it seals everything in and it stops everything from falling out so that when you put the you put the, the heavy game, uh, you know, the game boards on top, everything sits and it's sealed in. And when you're trying, you know, normally when you've got these nice games and they've got the inserts, um, even when you turn them upside down, everything falls out, doesn't it? Yeah. This one, this one because it's got that little lid, doesn't do it. Pretty cool. Just yeah, just really cool. Um, yeah, I I think I need help when um, <laughs> I'm on a podcast and I'm talking about bits of plastic. I feel like I need help with uh, going to our friend's local game shop. I should only ever go on days that you're nearby because they always have <laughs> the best things on sale when you're there. <laughs> when I'm there, it's always like, eh, there's nothing specifically on sale. Here's just some games. And it's like, ah, oh, well, I'll buy a fit of culture one. <laughs> I'm already here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was cool. I think that's us uh, for games then. Yes, that's us. Cool. Excellent. What, what have we got in terms of news? Oh, there's a bunch of weird stuff. So, uh, what we got? Uh, there's. A closed online test coming for Final Fantasy XV's multiplayer expansion. Uh, oh, right, okay. They announced they were doing some kind of co-op thing. They said they were going to do it after uh, they released the... They were doing an individual expansion for each of the the teammates that you can play as in Final Fantasy XV. So they're doing like a little story DLC for each of the, you know, of the, the boy band. And then a multiplayer expansion that lets you play as all of them with your friends. Um, so that is going to uh, be starting next Thursday, 
I think, or it started this Thursday. It's hard to tell because some of this news has been here since last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's next Thursday. Um, and I think if you have a season pass, then you'll have access to it. Uh, I didn't buy a season pass for Final Fantasy XV because I never finished Final Fantasy XV anyway. Right. Um, I need to go back and play it more because I, I did really enjoy that game. I just didn't stick with it because... That's how games work for me these days. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, so one that you're pretty excited for, I think. Um, PAX are doing a, an event called PAX Unplugged. Yes. Which is the first tabletop-focused version of PAX, which will be uh, bringing in a bunch of exhibitors like Wizards of the Coast, Paizo, Fantasy Flight, Asmodee. And Asmodee means that um, every board game company will be there yes. because yeah, yeah. every board game company is part of the ever expanding ball of goop that is Asmodee uh, um, yeah. and then Cool Mini or not as well yes. uh, and also a bunch of others so yeah. it's taking place in November 17th to 19th at Philadelphia's Pennsylvania Convention Center Yes. Uh, and tickets are available now yeah I would totally try and go to that if I, I could afford to go to Pennsylvania yeah, I I think I, I think I'd be up for going to to that. I need an excuse to go to America anyway, right? Yeah, de- yeah. Do you think Do you think they'll let us go? Do you think <laughs> we'll get um, loaded in? Yeah, <laughs> to listen to the podcast and be like, mm, you guys said some unfriendly things about Trump in the past. Yeah, guys, I really love racism. I think <laughs> it's great. Um, please let us go to this board game convention. <laughs> do you think they fell for it? Do you think it'll work? No, I don't oh, think. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna have that bit of audio cut out, and someone's just going. <laughs> I've got evidence. You cured oh. this dirty racist all this time. Yep. <laughs> so, um, to- talking of uh, board games and things, um, cool- and cool mini or not, cool mini or not have got surprise, surprise. They've got another Kickstarter on the go. Yes. Uh, and have you had a look at this one yet? I did. And I said yeah, to my so, girlfriend who wants it because I, I don't care about yeah. that much. <laughs> so Kill Mini and Not are working on a tabletop miniatures game for A Song of Fire and Ice. Uh, it's uh, So that's obviously Game of Thrones to you and I. And it's uh, going to be a tabletop miniatures war game and the the set that they've got on Kickstarter right now, you can play as either the Starks or the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's looking quite good, actually. It does so look really the, cool. It just doesn't look yeah. It, I don't think for the money that they're asking for, so they're looking for $150, that gets you the starting kit, um, and you get a couple of exclusive, well, quite a load of exclusives. Um, the way the Kickstarter is going, they're just unlocking stuff the way they normally do. Um, but it is a, it's basically their take on Warhammer and those kind of war games. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not the, not the type of board games I, I play. Well, I play board games. I don't really play war games. Um, yeah. I think. Even buying something like this, the the miniatures that they're showing on the campaign look absolutely stunning. And 
you know, I think if you bought them just because of the miniatures and you started painting them, it would be money well spent, but it would be a hell of a lot of money, I think. I'm not really into painting miniatures. Yeah, I'm the same, so I would it's a it is a hard pass for me. Yeah. Um I'm into paying higher tiers on Kickstarter to get pre painted (laughs) miniatures. Yes. (laughs) Is that a tier? Is that a thing? Um, Can I pay an extra hundred quid to get pre-painted minis? On this one, no. Um, cool mini are not. Are, I quite like the way that they do their kickstarters now. So mm-hmm. it generally, there's one tier. Yeah. You know, you, you you buy the game, and then as the game goes on, they'll say, "Oh, by the way, for an extra fifty dollars or sixty dollars, you can buy the expansion." to go along with it um so there's normally an expansion that comes with the base game with your pledge and then once they hit a certain level they always say right for an extra 50 dollars you can get this and then like rising sun they you could buy a cloth playing mat and then they had metal playing coins and things like that as well so yeah their strategy seems to be quite well worked out now so you can only get one tier and then there'll be a couple of optional optional buys but basically everything gets the everybody gets the same thing um yeah yeah unless you're buying an extra expansion unless you're buying metal coins yeah yeah i wouldn't do that no no you wouldn't do that at all anyway (laughs) i probably should have bought the expansion for rising sun rather than the metal coins but I like metal coins. As it turns out, <laughs> it's really nice to have metal coins. <laughs> so I don't have a good reason for it. There's no good reason for it. I could use well, yeah. the scythe ones. Well, but here's the thing. Um, I like you. I've got the the metal ones, uh, the scythe ones, and uh, my first set of metal coins was for Seven Wonders Jewel. So we were in Essen last year, and we're at the booth, and you when you go to these when you go to the board game conventions you see a lot of things that you know you're not going to be you're not going to see readily available yeah you know if at all um so you do you get this horrible acquisition thing i need to have all the stuff so uh, and myself japanese board games again <laughs> yeah so Anne and myself got some really nice um seven wonders t-shirts and we bought the expansion as well and we so we seen they had these metal coins and i went oh those are really nice and and it said well you know we can we can get them she's will you play i said oh yes i'll be playing that game very very often it's you know it'll be money well well spent i'm really looking yeah um that was last year october i've still to play I've still to play the game since we bought that. And we bought the special uh, broken token insert to keep everything. <laughs> so we now have this really, really swanky looking copy of Seven Wonders Jewel. It holds the, the brand new expansion in it as well, um, which we only played once. And it wasn't our copy. It was the demo copy that we played. Mm. And we've got these uh, the broken token insert and these beautiful metal coins. And uh, yeah, we've still to play the game here. Oh, <laughs> so metal coins are the kiss of death. Uh, I've definitely not played Scythe since I got the metal coin. Uh, 
Yes, same. I also bought the expansion. Take away from this whole podcast. Yeah. Um, I should play Forza Horizon 3. (laughs) Yes. So, do you want to tell people about the the latest thing you've backed on Kickstarter? Uh, Yeah. I actually unbacked it. I just did that to get the notification (laughs) sent to you because I know that you have those turned on. if people don't know, Kickstarter has a thing where you can add people's friends and then when they back things, it sends you an email or a notification yes, if you have yeah. an app installed telling you the back things. So I've started, I mean, this is really the first time I've majorly done it, but I occasionally just back silly things so that Mike gets notifications <laughs> thinking that I've bought, for example, Burger Time the Card Game, which is a card game based on the arcade hit by Data East, Burger yes. Time. Um... Which I thought was kind of funny, and it, it looks all right. Is the other thing? It, it actually looks okay. I don't think. Yeah. I think backing it is not actually the dumbest thing in the world. It's just a bit expensive for what it is. Maybe. Really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, um, but yeah, it's got a nice like eight bit art style with all the all the sprites from the the game in it. Um, and it doesn't. The thing is, for me, the reason that I wouldn't back it is just that the it doesn't seem very clear what you actually do it's just everyone's working I, the same menu building your burgers in order avoid the bad guys it's like how, how do you build your burgers like what yeah and it says you know don't run out of pepper to get rid of the bad guys it's like well what is my pepper is it another card or is yeah. it it's not so that... clear what you actually yeah do. they've got this this concept of the game so they're telling you the story of the game but there's no yeah there's no breakdown of how you actually do that yeah but they've got a nice Kickstarter page, at least, and lots of nice stuff. Yeah. Art looks uh, really good. I guess part of the other issue for me is just that I don't have any nostalgia for Burger Time. Like, I did not grow up in 1982. <laughs> that was I, nine yeah. years before I was born. <laughs> yeah, um, I've got a lot of nostalgia for, you know, coin-up coin up arcades and coin-up games. Burger Time was not one of them. Burger Time was not even a good game. In my in my opinion, I think people would disagree with that. I've heard yeah, good yeah. things about it. In in my opinion, it wasn't I was I was always playing, you know, oh geez, so round about that time. But bear in mind what did you say, nineteen eighty two? So I would only yeah. be about six or so. But yeah. um, you know, from the eighties things like Burger Time was I didn't like that. I was playing games like uh, Yair Kung Fu and uh, Kung Fu Master that more um Fighting games and yeah, and yeah. bullet hell games and shoot 'em ups and things like that. Uh, I don't. Know. I've definitely I've played Burger Time. Like I've definitely played a lot of arcade games from that time. I just don't have a. I feel like you yeah. definitely need some. Uh, I think not necessarily um, even nostalgia. Just you know. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Burger Time was on the Xbox Live Arcade at one point. Hmm. Or was it? Or was that Root Beer Tapper? Uh, I think both were. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at arcade games that came out in 1982. There's a lot of nice ones. Yeah. Or at least ones that are listed as 1982. They might not have came out then, but... Like, uh, Joust was 1982, according to this. Oh, Joust was a good one. Joust, Joust was a good one. Dig Dog. Oh, yeah. Schubert. Right. <laughs> I don't think these all actually came out in 1982, because this is just a bunch of arcade games I recognise. <laughs> right. <Popeye. laughs> I don't think Popeye and Donkey Kong Jr. came out at the same time, Google. I think you're lying to me. 
Apparently they did. They came out the same year. All right, cool. Uh, oh no, wait, no. Why came out in nineteen eighty three? But its initial release date is listed as nineteen eighty two. Bizarre. Right. Robotron came out in nineteen eighty two. All right. Damn good game. Very very difficult game. It is a very difficult game. Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a bunch of arcade games came out in 1983 cool. that I respect and have like fond memories of, although not nostalgia for, because again, I didn't play them at the time because I wasn't around. I wasn't physically capable of doing it. <laughs> um, I would have. I would have. Um, yeah, it's a silly looking Kickstarter. If you want to, you know, Google Burger Time, the card game, you'll find it. Or just follow kieran on kickstarter and at three o'clock in the morning you'll get these bizarre oh i have some things lined up for three o'clock in the morning don't you worry (laughs) there's actually not that many like one of my favorite pastimes is finding really fucking stupid and terrible kickstarter pages for board games because you get tons like i think kickstarter is amazing for board games i think it is one of the best places to get board games they, you know, you can get so many kind of unique ideas, unique themes. Usually you get games that are more theme than game, which yeah. is fine for some stuff. And it's just a, a cool thing to be able to... And it's relatively safe compared to, like, video game Kickstarter because most of these games are done, you know? They might need yeah. a little bit more playtesting but really need money so they can go and print it, and that's fine. Uh, but then there's a bunch that are just, like... Oh, by the way, we like Cards Against Humanity, so we printed decks on a bunch of black cards, and there that's our cards. It's like Cards Against Humanity, but with decks. Isn't that hilarious? Guys, <laughs> uh, the white cards have naked anime ladies on them. Woo! Yeah, Sold. I, You're yeah. on board now. Great. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Like, that really creepy anime game. That one got funded, by the way, by quite a large margin. Um, right. There was a creepy anime game about building a harem of anime ladies, and if you backed a certain tier of the Kickstarter, all your cards would have naked ladies instead of ones with clothes on. Nice. I didn't back that one. but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even back that one as a joke. <laughs> that was a, that was a Just in case they were, like, g- gathering data. Yeah, in case I end up on a list somewhere. Yes. Although American McGee has a Kickstarter. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. American McGee has a card game uh, coming out called Out of the Woods. American oh, McGee right. of Alice fame. Yes. And, uh, oh, what was that really bad free play game I played for review on the site? Um, fuck, it was based on Little Red Riding Hood, but it was mixed with oh. Japanese culture. Yes, um, and it oh, was okay. God. It was a Diablo clone, and it was fine, but it had really bad free play mechanics in it. Um, that's gonna annoy me. Anyway, uh, yeah, he's got a card game that actually is really nice. I might back that one, if only because I like American McGee's art and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, other new stuff. Uh, Bioware stuff. Um, can't remember. Did we talk about this last week? Yes, I think. Oh, did we? I but, think we did, yes. Uh, well, just in case we didn't, uh, Aaron Flynn quit, Casey Hudson's on board, Casey Hudson led the company during Mass Effect 3. I think we did talk about this last week. Um, it's hard to tell because we skipped so much stuff. I took out all yes. the, the Arc System Works stuff because we definitely talked about that, but yeah. the Arc System Works tag game still sounds great. Um, yeah. 
Telltale uh, are making Walking Dead uh, the final season and a second season of The Wolf Among Us, which is good for people who like that game. I have heard cool. many good things about it. Yes. Uh, and also uh, more Batman stuff is coming starting in August. Right. Uh, I think actually technically it should first episode should be out by the time this podcast is out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, there's DLC coming for Euro Fishing. Woohoo! Which uh, is called Foundry Dock and excite- <laughs> takes you into the exciting world of urban fishing, which I assume is not a euphemism. No, no. So, you know, if you want to go some, you want to go some urban fishing at the weekend, you know what I mean. <laughs> Get some real me, nasty venereal diseases. Me um, love you a long time. <laughs> God damn. Um, One Piece Unlimited World Red Deluxe Edition is coming for the Switch in 29th of September. Uh, this uh-huh. is, I've never actually watched One Piece, but I've heard good things both about the anime, the manga, and uh, this game in particular. It was apparently uh-huh. quite a good One Piece game. So getting a Switch release is quite cool. Um, September could cool. be a good month if you like anime things and own a Switch, because Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 is also out that month. Which is cool. Um, I meant to look this one up, actually. P-Cube announced a game called Rabby Ribby. Right. I feel like we mentioned before but I don't think we knew what it was uh, it's oh it's, this is a game I need Ben Uh-oh. good job putting this on the news list <laughs> oh man uh, Rabbi Ribby appears to be uh, and <laughs> so Ben pulled this from the uh, just for reference Ben gets a lot of you know uh, PR emails and yes. we'll occasionally just dump a bunch of them into our news document which is great but sometimes the context of like the PR statement is not really that useful so this one says PCube is excited to announce we'll be releasing the adorable bunny based side scrolling action game Rabby Ribby if you google Rabby Ribby it's a game about bunny girls so yes anime ladies wearing not very much clothes with bunny ears <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it also seems to be sprite based for the most part. It actually looks yeah, good. yeah. I'm just looking at the the Steam page for it. It's yeah, yeah. But then also strange. seems to have like weird kind of uh, story things that are just you know kind of visual novel style of really detailed character portraits and stuff. Yes, yeah. Uh, it looks quite cool. I might actually look into picking that one up. So that is coming out on uh, the PlayStation Four, PlayStation Vita, and. Oh, on September 1st. I believe it's already out on Steam, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so that's quite cool. I might actually pick that up. That seems cool. Cool. Yeah, it was just, it was the one that's just like, oh, it's an adorable bunny game. It's like, oh, sorry, it's going to be some cute mascot platformer, but no. No, no. Anime ladies into that. Yes. Uh, Rogue Trooper Redux, uh, they released a video that compares the graphics with the 2006 game. Uh, I never played Rogue Trooper originally. Uh, me neither. It's the one with the blue man. Yes, that's all yeah. I know about it. Um, yeah, but the comparison video is quite impressive. They they definitely have done a lot of work to make yeah. it nice. It still doesn't yes. look quite. It doesn't look fully modern. It has that kind of flatness that K 
games from that era are always going to have, no matter how nice you make the textures look. Yeah. Um, but it does look good. It's quite an increase. I might pick that one up, because, again, never played it before. So. Yeah. And Re- Rebellion have done some really good stuff. Yeah, Rebellion are a great developer, as far as I'm concerned. I look forward to... They're the Sniper Elite guys, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I look forward to their new one, the four or the four player multiplayer horde mode thing. They're kinda of their zombie armor trilogy but without zombies and without Nazis. Yeah. Instead based on what appears to be like, you know, kind of B movie, kinda of action movie style things, so Cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Um what else we got here? Sims Force come to consoles November seventeenth. This is a really weird one. It kind of just came out of nowhere. Because yeah, like the Sims Four's been out for two decades now. Um, no, well, not that long, but it's been out for a few years now, which is weird. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's come to consoles November seventeenth. I assume that game must be doing all right. Sims brand must be doing all right. Yeah. Pumping yeah. things out. Uh, I'd never really heard much about Sims Four. It kind of came out and. I mean, my girlfriend owns it. She plays it. She likes those games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Cinemora EX is coming to the PC, PS4, and Xbox One August 8th. And then the Switch is coming at some point. It says later this summer, but... Uh, August 8th is, like, borderline for summer as it is. Yeah. So, unless it's coming out before then, but they haven't announced this weird um but yeah cinemora x uh don't know what the differences are but cinemora was quite a good game so yes yeah they've made some more improvements that's pretty cool cool um killing floor 2 is coming to xbox one 29th of august uh that's pretty decent i still not actually played that either like we got that on playstation plus last month uh yes we did yeah played it a bit. Um, yeah I'm the same. Yeah. Uh, first gameplay footage of Formula One 2017 is out there. I haven't Move. watched it yet. I need to because I have skipped the last couple of years of Formula One games, but I think this is the uh-huh. year I'm going to jump back in again because I really like those games. Yep, cool. They're some of Codemaster's finest. Yes. Um, and then... Uh, CD Project Red will be showing more of Gwent, or showcasting Yes. With an official tournament at Gamescom 2017. Cool. Uh, we're probably going to get a lot more Gamescom stuff because it's soon. Yeah, it's yeah, it's quite soon. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's it for news. I think. Excellent. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think there's anything else. Um, so, uh, remember what I was saying about it, the new releases being very scarce. Yeah. You I have one. I have one. Uh, so we're looking at stuff for uh, coming out on August the fourth, and I have one game. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's a uh, for the PlayStation Four. It's the uh, Velocity Two X, the Critical Mass Edition. So it's not even a new game. That game's alright, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a good game, but yeah. So yeah, we don't have. Looking at the the source that we use, um, yeah, mm-hmm. we have one game coming out that week. That's a bummer. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming out 
the week after that, and then go oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, plenty of stuff coming out. So we're narrowing the time down until Game of the Year comes out. Yes, Sonic Mania, August fifteenth. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Um, yeah, that's it for new releases. Then um, very quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Short one. Yeah. Short so, podcast. It's only be a couple hours this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, have we? Have you got anything? Have we missed to go over and cover with anyone? No. Uh, no, I could just read off more Kickstarters if you want. No, no, we'll uh, we'll finish the podcast and then we can do that after. <laughs> That's usually what happens. <laughs> Generally. So, uh, yeah, so what we'll do is we will thank everyone for listening. If you want to send us an email, um, if you're a Nigerian prince, please stop sending us an email. Um, I'm quite fed of it. Yeah, fed up of it. Got, like, Shut my they closed my account for some reason after I sent you those details. So please, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if you are not a Nigerian prince, however, and you do want to contact us, uh, you can send us an email to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search for Glitch Free Gaming, and we have a page gives you all the details of when a new podcast episode is up and whenever Ben has put some new goodies up on the website for you to read. And, of course, you can go to glitchfreegaming.com and uh, see everything on the website there. And you can follow us on Twitter at glitchfreegame. We still use it. Well, I say we. I know Kieran and myself I've not touched it in a while, uh, but Paul and Ben still actively use it, so you can go and see what they're up to in that as well. Um, yeah, that's it. So, anything else to add before we say goodbye? Um, that Splendor expansion comes out soon, and I really want it. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's like four I want... expansions in one. I know. I need it as well. I need it. Splendor is <laughs> one of the greatest games ever made. And I don't think I'm exaggerating by saying that. No, I think um, Bugger Time, the card game, might surpass it. It might, but we'll have poker chips. Shaped like burger buns. Yeah, you break your teeth in it when you try and bite them. <laughs> but they feel so weighty and good. <laughs> Especially when you go to the toilet. Oh, See you later. Oh.